0: tonight. Tonight is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2017. The title of tonight's sermon is Seated and Satisfied. Seated and Satisfied. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to jump right into the Word. Amen? Come on now, if you're going to be here, you might as well be here, right? I mean, you're not not anywhere else yet. We are here together in that very house, in the very presence of God. Colossians chapter 2, and let's look at verse 6. Yeah, come on now. There you go. Verse 6 says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. It's one thing to receive Him as Lord, it's another thing to continue to live in Him. Amen? Amen? Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And what is that next phrase? Overflowing with thankfulness. Come on, overflowing with thankfulness. Anybody overflowing with thankfulness in this place? This is the way that we should be all the time, and we know it, Amen. but isn't it easy to start thinking on the things that you don't have, on the things that you need, on the things that you want, instead of just overflowing with thankfulness. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 28. It says this: "Therefore I had a Pastor, when I was growing up, they would always tell me, if you see the word therefore, you should look to see what it's there for, right? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Anybody ever had some days where you felt shaken? Anybody had any days recently where you felt shaken? Anybody had a day today that you felt a little shaken? (laughs) Then you're then you're in the right place because the Word of God is going to address each and every one of us. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to stay on this thought for just a second here. A kingdom. The kingdom that we receive cannot be shaken. It doesn't matter what the tide of this world does. It doesn't matter the flood of dissipation. It doesn't matter the busyness. It doesn't matter what the entire universe is doing because our kingdom, the one that we're receiving, cannot be shaken. That should bring faith to your heart. That should encourage you tonight. I can feel God's Spirit on us now, even as we're talking about this kingdom that cannot be shaken. See so you know what it means? It means that since we're receiving this, let us be thankful. And we're going to do more of the Scriptures than just the ones that say thankful tonight, I, I want to assure you. Amen. But isn't this a good place to start? You know why you could be thankful? Because you're receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. It doesn't matter that your current financial state It doesn't matter your current family state. It doesn't matter about the relationships that you're in. It doesn't matter about any of that because the kingdom that you are receiving is unshakable. Come on, that needs to get down in some spirits tonight. We are unshakable, Nolan Hewitt. Absolutely unshakable. So what does that produce in us? It produces a thankfulness. Because we're receiving something that cannot be moved, that cannot be bargained with, that cannot be bought, that cannot be tainted. This thing that we have is unshakable. So what does it do? Ooh, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be here in this place tonight with you who have a heart towards the Lord. And I'm telling you that that we we got through worship, and I appreciate Pastor Matt and the worship team so very much. There's still some heaviness on some of us in this place tonight. You're still worried about some things that you don't don't need to be worried about. Because you're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, let us be thankful. And what is the next phrase? And so worship God how? Acceptably. (laughs) So without thankfulness, you can't worship God acceptably. Without an understanding that you're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, your worship is unacceptable to Him. I'm going to worship because... I'm going to worship because, uh, well, it's kind of what we do. No, you have to have a heart of thankfulness before the Lord. That's a good word. You have to. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Oh, come on now. We like, the, we like the next phrase, don't we? For our God is a what? He's a consuming fire. Yeah, He is. What does that mean? That means He's going to burn up all your problems. That means He's going to be a fire within you. He's, it means all kinds of things. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to be thankful and worship God acceptably. Amen? With our Amen. lives, we're going to worship Him acceptably. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 for my primary um, portion of Scripture that we're going to have a little expository teaching for you tonight. Amen? I have to be honest with you guys. I love you all so much that there are things. I was talking with uh, Chris, where you today. We went and, and had lunch, got to see Ezra. Up close. Man, that dude is so cute. Goodness gracious. There have been things that I I I am so honored to be able to serve here with you guys. That I've been just working on some things lately. I told Chris about it, he was like, I I would have had no idea. Yeah, there's things that I think that I need to do better at my preaching. So I've been intentionally putting myself in places where I'm not gonna go with what's comfortable. I'm gonna actually try to get better at what I'm doing. I'm trying to do that every service. Every time I'm up before you, I don't presume that I have it all figured out because if I'm 43 and got it all figured out, well then there's not much to be figured out, right? (laughs) So we're going to work on this together. Look in Matthew chapter 14 and let's start in verse 18. Are you there with me? Now this is the story, this is the true to life story, true life story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, what, let's look in verse 16 for just a second. The disciples wanted to send people away, right? Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And look, look what this says. Bring them here to me, he said. Um, who's the them that he's talking to? Bring them here to me. If you take this as he's asking to have the loaves and the fish brought to him, then you've got one thing going on. What were the disciples trying to do with the people though? The disciples were trying to send the people away. Come on now. Isn't it nice when you just get a little word from the Lord and you understand his heart a little bit better in this moment than you did the last moment that we just had? What if he's saying, bring them here to me? Yeah, I'm going to take care of the loaves and the fish in just a second. Just give me a minute. I'll get to that. But what I want right now is I want them here to me. Boy, isn't that the heart of the gospel? Turn to Mark chapter 3. Let's look at... uh, Let's try verse 13. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. It says this. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to them... Those he wanted, and they came to him. Boy, that doesn't sound just like our story that we're reading in Matthew 14. He's calling for people to come to him. Why? Because it's a necessity, and he was fulfilling all... No! He called to those to him because he wanted them with him. What else does it say? Take a look at the next verse. He appointed 12, designating them apostles. Apostles. That they might go out and do incredible things. That they might be famous for all time and for all of mankind. He designated, he appointed 12, designated them apostles, that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. You know what should happen before you start going out to preach? You've got to learn how to be with him. Because this is what our God is absolutely after. This heart that says, bring them to me. Bring them to me. This evangelistic spirit that says, bring them to Jesus so that people can understand. Uh, uh, On the screen, if you would, Tara, would you put up Philemon verse 6? There's only one chapter in Philemon. So Philemon verse 6. There we go. I pray that you, you may be active in sharing your faith. Everybody say active. We need to be active in sharing our faith. You know why? So that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Wow. You know what happens is if you're not sharing your faith enough, you don't really understand every good thing you have in Christ. We can talk about thankfulness all we want. We can talk about understanding all these things all we want. But unless we really start getting out and sharing our faith and saying, we have a God who wants you to come to him. Come come, be with Him. He wants to be with you. And you need to come and answer His call when He's doing that. As we're doing this, Jesus says, Bring them to Me. God, I know this is a simple thing, right? We haven't had the turkey yet. We all, I feel like the tryptophan is already setting in. We haven't even had the turkey yet. Right? Don't let, don't let it set in yet. Because we have a God. What do we call Him when we get... To, when we celebrate Christmas time, we, we talk about Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. Yeah. This idea that God wants to be with us should move your very soul. It should move your heart tonight. I know you know this, but I wanted to remind you of a few things so that it might help us in the right kind of way. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be here. You can leave a bookmark right here in this passage because we're going to come back to it quite often tonight. Bring them here to me. I'm so glad when I want to run people off, Lord says, now bring them here. (laughs) And he directed the people, verse 19, to sit down on the grass. You know what I thought of as I was thinking about this passage? I thought about what a true pastor's heart that Jesus was showing us here. Uh, Pastor, he's just telling them to sit down on the grass. Keep your place here, and let's turn to Psalm 23. Let's turn to Psalm 23, just real quick. You guys know it, but I'm asking you to turn to it for a reason. There, there. 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 The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask it again because not everybody's with me yet. It's okay. The Lord is my shepherd. What happens when the Lord is your actual shepherd? I shall not be in want. I'm just reading what the Word says. I'm just going to let it sink in there. How are you doing tonight about being in want? Do you have a list that's a mile long of the things that you want? Because if the Lord is your shepherd, (laughs) I shall not be in want. There's nothing that we're going to lack. Verse 2, He makes me lie down, or He tells me to sit down on the green pastures over the rolling hills. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His own name's sake. Can you hear the gentleness of this? Can you hear the Lord as a shepherd leading His people beside the green pastures and the still waters? Come on, some of us in this room need some green pastures and still waters tonight. You've got anxiety going on in your soul. You've got your mind that is racing for some of us in the room because I can feel it. It's racing. We've got to... (laughs) And you get in bed at night and your mind, you have a trouble. You either... (laughs) While you are still awake, you have trouble controlling your thoughts because they're just... they're They're frenetic in their energy in your mind. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts until you just get exhausted and you pass out. The Lord leads us into green pastures. Besides still waters. You know why? Because the sheep, it's difficult for them to, to drink when the waters are troubled. We're going to have a little, a little offshoot, a little, a little pool that they might come and drink of. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 14. Jesus directed people to sit down on the grass. You know what happens? Pastoring and leadership in a church is supposed to bring order to your life. Not control, but Order. It's supposed to put things in the right shalom in your home. What we talk to you about, what the Lord talks to us about, what the Lord leads our elders to do is to put you in the right kind of place so that the Lord might minister to you and feed you. How are you doing at getting in the right places for the Lord to speak to you? are you, are you Are you following the leading of the Lord? Are you allowing His peaceful... Shalom to be all over you so that you are in the right place. You're in the green pastures. You're by the still waters, that it's easy for you to get whatever you need food wise, whatever you need to get drink wise, whatever you need for your sustenance. The Lord is actually providing it for you. Come on, keep your place here. Turn to Leviticus chapter 26. This is one of my favorite passages on this scripture. Leviticus chapter 26. Oh, quiet tonight. Amen. We'll be all right. Leviticus 26, verse 6 says this. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. Isn't this all very similar in in context here? Whether it's Psalm 23, whether it's Matthew 14, we see this idea of lying down. Why? Because the Lord is speaking as a shepherd to His sheep. This is why this language is sounding the same. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. How about we add this? No one or no thing will make you afraid. Sometimes it's not the people that we're afraid of. We're afraid of the circumstances. We're afraid of the potential of harm. We're afraid of loss. We're afraid that we're not going to get what we need. And I'm telling you tonight that that is not what a good shepherd leads you to. So if he's leading you rightly, then what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to follow him rightly. I will remove savage beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. Man, what a blessing. What an encouragement. Let's keep reading. You will pursue your enemies. Wait a minute. Excuse, excuse me, Lord. Uh, um, I thought you just said uh, you would take away the savage beast. That you would give me peace in the land. I'll lie down in the, in the fluffy little green pasture. Yes. Yes, you will. And to accomplish that and to keep those things in the right order, you will also pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Who's got the sword in it now? Oh, that's right, we do. Okay. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase 10,000, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. This is all the part of peace. We're supposed to turn from evil and do good. We're supposed to seek peace and pursue it. We're supposed to go after it. So when Jesus is here and He's saying, I want you to sit down now, I want you to sit down because I've got you in a green pasture. I'm about to do something for you, but I need you to sit down. Anybody ever have to sit down your kids before you talk to them? Right, why? Because the anxiety and their little busyness will cause them to miss what you're about to say. I need you to to sit down. I've got some important news to tell you. Oh, okay. Jesus does the exact same thing. He said. All you little troubled hearts, I want you to sit down so I can do something for you. Hmm. How many of us need to sit down in our spirits tonight and just go, I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you're going to put things in the right order. I'm willing to go out and and seek peace and pursue it. I'm willing to chase my enemies because when I get this in right order, you know what I can do? Because you've already promised it to me. As a matter of fact, you started off with a promise that I can sit down and no one will make me afraid. Golly, come on now. This is nice to talk about in theory, but then we're all sitting here and we all know each other because we're family. And you know that when your bank account hits whatever level that is, you've got a level that you're fine with and you've got another level that you begin to panic, don't you? You've got one level of things being okay in your life and a little bit of chaos. You're okay with this much chaos, but once it hits... A certain level, then, then the fear begins to set in in massive ways. I'm, I'm reminding you tonight that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. So let us be thankful yep. so that we can worship God acceptably with reverence and all, because our God is a consuming fire. If He's the consuming fire that has promised us something, He's going to fulfill it. Amen. Surely He will fulfill it. Let's go back to Matthew 14. Verse 18 says, bring them here to me. That evangelistic spirit that we've got to have. Reminding ourselves that He wants people to be brought to Him. And He directed the people to sit down on the grass. I'm so grateful that as a pastor, the Lord appoints the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for their works of service. To help them find order and shalom in their life. Taking the five loaves and two fish. Come on now. You guys are with me. Most people in here are Bible scholars. You know so much. You've learned so much. What does the number five typically represent in the Bible? The number for grace. You've got five loaves and two fish. So if you've got grace, what does the number two typically represent? A covenant. covenant. You mean to tell me that Jesus is going to bless more than 5,000 people here with a covenant of grace? Amen. This is what he's sitting them down for. He's like, I don't want you to miss this. I want you to calm down for just a second. I want you to rest in me and find out that I'm about to give you the very origin of this thing is going to be a covenant of grace. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Let's look in verse 1. I keep coming back to Romans chapter 5 lately. I'm only going to share a few verses, but I, I, keep, I keep finding the Lord directing me back here. And I, Man, I love this passage. <laughs> Therefore, since we have been justified through faith... Have you been justified in this place today? That's not a trick question, and, and I actually want you to answer me. Have you been justified by faith today? Yes. Wow, because some of you all were like... Do we answer? No, yeah, answer. It's okay. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. I realize this is a New Testament term here, but I'm going to call it shalom because that's what they would have been thinking of. We have shalom with God, the right order, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The grace, the power to say no to everything that's ungodly. But the Lord Jesus sets up a covenant of grace. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's start in verse 8. Talking about being generous here. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Everybody say, all grace. All, all grace. This is one of my favorite scriptures here. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things. Everybody say, all things. All things. Everybody say, in all things. in all things. At all times. Everybody say, all times. all times. Having all that you need. Say, have all you need. You will abound in every good work. Is this, is this not definitive enough for anyone in the room? God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, it's almost like He's a good shepherd that's not going to allow us to have want, isn't it? God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. These are definitive words, my friends. How are you doing living like these words are actually true? Do you feel like that God can cause all grace abound to you? Give you plenty of power to overcome and to say no to the ungodliness? Yes. <laughs> that he's going to, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, say, I say, I, I have all I need. Man, if we could get that, Thanksgiving is more than one day a year. It's almost like he's trying to make it a lifestyle for us, a lifestyle that says, I have all I need. I have all I need. I have all I need. (laughs) God, I want us to get this tonight. I want you and I to get this tonight. You have all you need. I know we can quote out of Peter. And it says that His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we make that very ethereal sometimes. We make it very esoteric. Yes, somewhere in the great beyond, I have all that I need. God is able to make all of grace abound to you. All things, all times, all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. Amen. <laughs> you know why we don't really like to hold on to this scripture? Because it removes every single excuse that you might ever have. The reason I can't do this is because I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too fat, I'm too good looking. Yeah, you You know. You know, I mean, what, what what is your excuse? What excuses are you allowing to hang in your life that are destroying this idea right here that you can abound in every good work? There is no good work that you should have your hand too short to reach out and grab. Because you have everything you need. Let's go back to Matthew. Back to Matthew 14. Verse 19, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. When you have a covenant of grace, it puts your eyesight in the right place. You're no longer focused on the problems around you because you have all that you need. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave thanks. Everybody say, gave thanks. Gave thanks. And broke the bread. And broke the bread. Turn to Psalm chapter 34 with me. Do you realize that you can't even enter into the kingdom until you're broken? Until you, until you and I are broken. There are people here in this room and the truth is, is you're not completely broken yet before the Lord. You might be getting that direction. But the truth is, is you're still not broken. You know why? Because maybe you haven't entered the kingdom yet. There's a brokenness that's required of all of us. The Lord can get our attention. He can put enough pressure on your life that you feel broken in every way and there will still be people who do not break themselves in their own heart before the Lord. Instead of falling on him, the rock, and being broken to pieces that he might accept you into his kingdom, we fight. We get angry at the Lord. We resent him for what he's doing. And the truth is, is he's trying to enlighten us onto the brokenness that's required. Jesus turned his gaze towards heaven. He took the bread and he broke it. Amen. I ask you to turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 18 lest you think that I'm just making these things up. Psalm 34, 18. Are you there? Yes. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. <laughs> Have you ever been brokenhearted before? Yes. There are so many people who want to be in the fivefold ministry and many in this room may be called to that. What you don't understand being in the ministry is that you're going to be in a constant state of brokenheartedness. If Even if we don't account for all the things in our heart that the Lord shows us before we can bring it to you. That we have to get crushed even in ourselves before we can present something to you. When we see people falling prey to the same mistakes, falling prey to the same sin, falling prey to the same demonic deception, time after time, month after month, year after year, and here we are and we just look at it. Sometimes you see anger in your pastors and you should because our God can get very angry with us. We should hate wickedness. But what you don't always understand is some of that anger comes from a very, very brokenhearted place. Keep losing. Lord, they're they're deceived and they don't know it, Lord. Help us. How can we lead them to green pastures and still waters, Lord? These sheep are butting us. They're biting us. Lord, help us. But you know what the Lord, it says here in Psalm 34, 18? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Man. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. I'm not going to turn there, but doesn't this sound a lot like the Sermon on the Mount? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted; He saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Man, what an encouraging word for those who are broken hearted. Turn to Psalm 51 since we're close. Psalm 51. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. It says this, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. When you are broken over your sinfulness, over your weakness, over your desperate need for Him, it is a sacrifice that God can accept from you. Oh God, you will not despise these things. Turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61, verse 1. We know that Jesus quotes this passage directly in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. You know what having a right kind of heart does? It produces a thankful brokenness. Amen. <laughs> what did he do? He took it, he gave thanks for it, and he broke it. There's something to be said for a thankful brokenness. When you're really broken, aren't you thankful for anything that you receive? When you should have judgment fall upon your head and you know it and everyone else knows it and God shines his mercy and his grace towards you. Isn't that the most thankful that you can be? Let me put it in an opposite way to, to show to illustrate the point. Think of any young person that you've ever seen. The richest, most affluent people that you can imagine. It's literally made into TV shows how ridiculous their response is, isn't it? A parent will buy a, a child, a teenager, a brand new vehicle. 50, dollars 70,000 vehicle. The child will go out and wreck the vehicle. And before the wheels have stopped spinning on the wreck, the parents have bought them a new vehicle. You think there's any thankfulness there? No, no. Entitlement. It's an entitlement spirit. Uh, I've seen it more times than I can count. The Lord allowed me to see these things in some of the venues that I've been in over and over and over again. See, what we think is that we need more stuff, that we, if only we had more resources, then we would really be thankful. If I could get past this point in my life and to the next point, when you're in high school, if you could just graduate, if I could just get through college, if I could just get married, if I could just have a child, pretty soon we're just there's always something else that we need to be thankful Perhaps if we just worked on the brokenness before the Lord, we would find that anything becomes the right gift. We would find that a church like this is worth more than its weight in gold to your spirit. More than all of the riches in the world, you would do anything to be here. Why? Because you're in a constant state of brokenness and it produces the right kind of thankfulness in you. Come on, how broken are you today? I didn't say how stressed are you. Yeah, because brokenness and stress aren't the same thing. Brokenness and worried, not the same thing. Brokenness and frustrated, not the same thing. God draws near to those who are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He will not despise you. He's not some fickle person that loves you and wants to draw you close and then immediately shove you back the second that you feel any weakness. But that's the way we treat the Lord, isn't it? It's the way we treat each other. I know this to be the case because some of you, my dear friends, my family members, (laughs) will get partial stories when we're talking to you. Why? Because you want to protect what you think is wrong. Yeah, I'd rather you just be broken and be like, God, that was terrible. I was awful at that. Perhaps the Lord can forgive me and just cry out to him. That's so much an easy... We just kind of skip all the in-between. We get to a brokenness that produces thankfulness. God sets you in the green pastures right by the still waters. How are you doing in your brokenness today? We've allowed a lot of other things to be substituted in our life for brokenness. I want to be broken before the Lord. Why? Because I know he'll help me. Why? Because he called us to be with him. Bring them to me. Get them close to me because I am what they need. Get them right here. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I know I get to stand up here and I know I'll wear a microphone, but that's me. I want to be rightly broken before the Lord so that He can come and move in my life. How about you? Let's turn back to Matthew 14. Let's just start at 18 to help bring some continuity to it. Bring them here to me, He said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. How many of you have ever said that Jesus fed the 5,000? I I have. He, He didn't. Oh, I understand. I mean, uh, he's there, of course. It's not that you're completely wrong. It's just that maybe it's incomplete when we say that. How is this possible? He gave it to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the people. Come on now. It's almost like there's a process of discipleship here that requires the ones who can to teach those who cannot. And make sure that they can. Amen. Do you know where discipleship starts? Where does discipleship start? <laughs> it starts in your own home. Well, Pastor, I don't have, I don't have lots of people following me around. If you are married, then you have a disciple. If you have children, you have disciples. Your home is supposed to be the testing ground. For you as a disciple maker. That's a good word. It is. Amen. Fathers, you here in the church. Um, Tara, would you do me a favor? Would you put up Matthew? Actually, we're close to it. Let's all turn to it. We're just right there on the page before. Do Matthew 13 and verse 52. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law, who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house (laughs) who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Fathers in the room. Raise your hand if you're a father. Okay, that's a lot of us in here. Have you completed this verse in your home? When was the last time that you got a revelation from the heavens? You brought something out of the storehouse either old treasure or brand new treasure and you shared it with the people inside your home. You shared it with your kids that they might understand something that the Lord has shared with you. When was the last time that we've done that? Jesus did it. He took it and gave food to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the people. Amen. What we're doing here at this church is not just trying... It's, we're not making this stuff up. It is a way of life that we're supposed to all be emulating. I was going to say imitating, but that's not the right word. It's emulating. We are supposed to do what we see that others have before us have done. Hey, husbands, what about you? When was the last time you didn't just pray over your wife for a need, but you led your wife into the very presence of God Come on now. outside of a church service? Yeah. When was the last time you took your wife by the hand and prayed and felt the power of God in your home? Discipleship begins in our homes. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. It is really quiet in here. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at verse 4. Is everybody there with me? You know I love you, right? Okay, just real quiet up in here. He must, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. Someone who's wanting to be an overseer must manage his own family. Everybody say manage. manage. Come on now. If you're a husband, if you're a father, congratulations, you've just been promoted to management. <laughs> congratulations. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Verse 5, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? If we only followed these two verses in American churchianity, so many things would be fixed. So many people would be unemployed. (laughs) If you can't manage your household, please uh, praise God for all of our great and glorious, illustrious visions of grandeur that you have about ministering for the Lord. Praise God. Now get your home in order. Keep your word. Even when it hurts. Find some deep convictions that the word of God has put down in your heart. Let's start with the basics, folks. And the basics are that you manage your own family well. Let's look at verse 12. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Huh. You know what this word there is? For manage, it's the Greek 4291 proisthemi. That's my best stab at that. It means to cause to stand before. (laughs) I'm going to manage this. You know why? Because I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to work it to the place where I can put it before you and say, this is how it's done. I've managed this so well that it is worthy of being modeled after. I'm going to stand it before you. That's what this is supposed to be. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing in our own homes, in our own lives. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah chapter 12. Let's look at verse 5. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out. Anybody ever been worn out? (laughs) What a great phrase. Right? You ever worked so hard you just couldn't move? I hope so. I hope you've had that experience. If you've raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you can't get your own family in the right order, how are you supposed to do anything for the kingdom? Come on, man. If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Isn't that interesting? If you stumble in safe country, I'm going to say that your household should be safe country. The Lord lets you uh, figure things out in your own home. He gives you the safety of having your own four walls and maybe another family there with you to work some of these things out before you get on a much grander stage to go, huh? Huh? Is this this right? Okay, not quite. Hang on. Let me go work on it some more. Let me go manage this a little bit better. Come on now. I I want you guys to be a group of people that's running with the horses. How can you compete with horses? I'll tell you how we can called discipleship. I'm not going to get worn out by the footmen. I'm just not going to do it. We're going to have this be the right way. Turn back to Matthew 14 for me. It says this. Let's look at verse 20. Because he just gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. So verse 20 says, they all ate... Everybody say, all ate... And we are satisfied. Is it an easy uh, venture for you guys to pick where you are going to go for lunch? Here is how it sounds in my car. Hi hun. Hey babe. Where do you want to go from lunch? Anywhere you want to (laughs) go. Liar! Because in our car, here's the way the next thing goes. Okay, well, let's go here. No, I don't want that. Then you pick. No, 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 wherever you want to go. I don't think we understand the words that we're using. How about this place? Nope, don't want to go there. How about this place? Nope, don't want to go there. How about this? Nah, eh, uh, uh. How is it that I can pick anywhere that I want to go and we've just gone through a hand, Can you imagine a hillside, a beautiful hillside? Green pastures, right? Beautiful. And they're all sitting down because Jesus instructed them to do so. 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. That's a lot of people. I don't know if you've ever been in a place that has 5,000 people. That's a lot. I've been in stadiums. I've been in different places that had fifteen and 20,000 people out in a big area. That's a lot of people. The Word of God says in verse 20 that they all ate. <laughs> you didn't have any gluten allergies with the loaves of bread. <laughs> you didn't have anybody being picky about the way that the fish was cooked. Was this a farm-raised fish? <laughs> <laughs> there... <laughs> Yeah, it was just a miracle that they all ate, everybody ate, and were completely satisfied. I can't get my five people, my family, sometime to go somewhere and everyone eat and be satisfied. Much less more than five thousand people. This is a miraculous thing that's going on here. Now tomorrow, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna all eat and hopefully be very satisfied. Somehow, this is going to get done. You know what this reminds me? They all ate and were satisfied. In the Sutherland household, this verse comes up a lot. We quote it to each other. We don't always pull out our Bibles and read it to each other. But my wife and I say this multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, Tara, would you put Psalm 16, verses 5 and 6 on the screen for me? You guys know this. You've heard me say it. You've said it says this, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Amen. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. We say this all the time. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to all eat and be satisfied with what we have. Amen, that's right. Not be longing for something else, Amen. not needing anything else other than God's provision. Almost like every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is going to be enough for us. I don't don't need anything else. I don't need new shoes. I don't need anything else other than God's presence. So we say this to each other a lot because we need to realign our hearts often. Lord, you've assigned assigned me this life. Out of all the places on the planet that I could be, Lord, you assigned me right here to this group of people. You assigned me on Forte Drive. That's where the Lord of all creation decided to put me and my family. He assigned me my portion and my cup. And it's secure. Man, I I love the fact that the Lord has assigned me these boundary lines. I'm so happy. I'm so delighted. That's the southern ones. The Stephens have a similar verse when they're contemplating these ideas. And it's out of Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 3 and 4. Perhaps you've heard this. It says this, I will proclaim the name of the Lord... Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. All His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is He. Amen. You know what they're trying to get at? To all eat and be satisfied. Are you satisfied today with what the Lord has assigned you? Yes. Are you satisfied with the fact that His works are perfect and everything He does is right and just? He doesn't ever do anything wrong. He is upright and just... What He does is right in my life. Are you you there yet? You know, the P-Ros also have a verse. Turn to Joshua chapter 23. And let's look at verse 14. Joshua 23, 14, it says this. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart... And so that not one of all the good promises of the Lord your God has given you has failed. Not one promise that He's made to you is going to fail. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. It says it in a repetitive way. Why? Because we as human beings need that. You know what I noticed when when I focused on this? Sutherland's had a verse from the writings that we speak about all the time in our home. The Stevens, a verse from the law. The P-Rose, a verse from the prophets. We weren't trying, we're not trying to do this, guys. We didn't go, you know what you ought to do? Let's pick this. These are the verses that come out of our mouths while we're speaking to our wives, while we're speaking to our children, because we want to be satisfied because not one promise that he has ever made has ever failed us. Not one. Come on, how about you today? What do you need to hold on to remind you so that you can be satisfied with the life that He's given you? Quit being such a generation that's influenced by every commercial that ever pops up. We don't watch much TV and when we do, there's no commercials. Amen. So when I send my youngest, she goes and spends some time with Mama and Papa and they watch a TV show that actually has commercials. My daughter's like, Dad, there's like 17 things that I need now. They told me, they gave me a picture on the TV. It's great. It's funny when it's an eight-year-old, isn't it? How about you? How much do you let the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh or the pride of life start moving in your heart to make you unsatisfied with what the Lord has given you? Come on. This has got to be a lifestyle for us, my friends. This has got to be. Back to to Matthew 14. We're going to wrap this up. They all ate and were satisfied. That's incredible. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 12 basketfuls of what kind of pieces? Broken. Oh, It's important that we're broken my friends, that we stay broken. My biggest mistakes in my life have come when I thought I had it all worked out. Thought I had it, I can do this, I got this. Don't tell me that I don't got this because I got this. And then I fell flat on my face. I mean, I know that I'm the only one that's like that. I mean, I get it. Unique individual that I am. These guys picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. This is a church that's well versed on a Liam and the nations. The 12. The result of these actions when we stay broken before the Lord, we allow His covenant of grace to come in us. We realize that He's trying to draw us close. We realize that He's putting order in our life that we might be in green pastures and have still waters. The fact that He is calling to us to be satisfied with what He does, it's almost like the result of these actions will be the salvation of Israel. It'll be life from the dead for the rest of us. What a neat, small story. We've read, what is this, three verses now? Four verses tonight? And getting an encouragement from the heavens. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. Lest you think that I'm going to skip the prophets in the Newer Testament. You know, it's amazing. There are seven verses in Revelation that talk about being blessed by reading the words of this prophecy. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. (laughs) You're blessed if you read it. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. It's almost like they're referencing, I know it's a New Testament. It's almost like they're talking about Shema. It's almost like they're saying, you got to hear it and take it to heart, what is written in it, because the time is near. If seven times it says blessed is the one who hears it and who takes it to heart, let's turn to Revelation chapter 22. It's almost like Revelation begins with this idea that we have to take it to heart and obey the words of the Lord. Revelation 22, 7. It begins with it and it ends here. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy in this book. You want to learn how to be thankful? You know what that's going to be? You getting in the Word. You hearing the words of the Lord, but not just with your physical ears, but inside the depths of your heart that you hear it and you take it and you put it into action. You allow the brokenness of His Word to come in and go, Golly, I thought I was strong in that, Lord. Your Word just showed me how weak I am. Help me. I'm taking this to heart. I'm not going to let it crush me. I'm going to let it... (laughs) I'm going to have the right brokenness in this area. Tomorrow, everyone in this room, you're either going to be hosting or be hosted around a meal, around a Thanksgiving meal. Some will be proud to serve your sweet potato crunch or your green bean casserole or maybe even your fried turkey. Here at LCM, we want you to be thankful because you're bringing others to the table where you will have something prepared from the very word of God. Then and only then will your family be seated and satisfied. Come on, stand up with me tonight.